for our communion homily today. We are going to be in Luke 19. I'll be reading that right now. So if you want to open your Bibles, we'll be in Luke 19, 29 through 40. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying that? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, um, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. The word of the Lord. Recently, I heard about an influential woman named Egeria. She was a woman believed to be from Spain, possibly a nun who journeyed to the Holy Land in the 4th century, around 385. She spent three years extensively traveling in the Middle East and wrote a detailed uh, account for her spiritual community back home of everything that she saw. Now, we don't know very much about her personal life, but her writings confirm the beginning of how the church now celebrates Holy Week. This is because her journal tells us what Christians in Jerusalem in the 4th century were doing. At that time, there were about six established churches that had continued traditions based in scripture from the believers who came before them, and they wanted to honor the Lord with meaningful practices as they relived the experience of his passion. Now, it wasn't until 1884 that an Italian scholar discovered fragments of Egeria's detailed travel narratives in a monastic library. It was such a treasure for the church, and some of her writings became primary source material for certain Holy Week liturgies still in use today. Now, on Palm Sunday, this is how she described it. She said, in the afternoon... There was a passage from the gospel that would be read. And children of all ages, some of them too young to walk, would be put on the shoulders of their parents. And they would shout out and carry branches, crying out, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. The bishop, she said, would act in the role of Christ. And they would follow him on foot from the top of the mount, bearing branches, some of them palm, some of them olives. 
Thus, Egeria records the bishop was escorted as of old into the city as the Lord had been. Now, I love Luke's story because it is very complete in its narrative. It actually begins when Jesus tells Zacchaeus to come out of the tree. And Zacchaeus' house received salvation because the Lord sought him out. Jesus goes to his house and has dinner and teaches a powerful parable on stewardship. And leaving there, Jesus enters Jerusalem, as we have read, on the back of a donkey, which fulfills the proclamation from the prophet Zechariah. He has a clash with the Pharisees, and then he stops and he looks out over the city of Jerusalem and he weeps. And Luke records that it isn't just that he knows what is necessary, but there is anguish in Jesus' soul for the people who do not accept him as coming from God. I've been thinking ever since we all preached together uh, about the Lord before the council, about what Denzel said about this day of Palm Sunday. He reminded us that the people responded to Jesus because they recognized that he truly cared for them. That in him, they experienced someone who had come from God to live among them and understood the daily struggles that they had. He didn't demand that the people do the bidding of a religious institution. Rather, he treated them as a valued and worthy part of God's kingdom, no matter who they were or where they came from. And because of this, the people honored him and celebrated his mighty presence among them. Luke offers a few differences from the other Gospels. If you notice when we read it, he doesn't mention branches of any kind. He has Jesus being placed on the donkey, which is a funny picture for me. And Jesus isn't the one who comes in the name of the Lord. He is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, which brings the conflict at the end of the section for those who do not accept his authority. And we see that Luke centers on peace. The people don't shout Hosanna, which means save us, please. Rather, they celebrate a king who comes and brings peace from heaven. It feels like Christmas Read uh, uh, verse 38. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. When we read this, we think about the angels. We think about Mary. We think about Simeon who prayed that God had come to show and to bring them peace. You see, Luke emphasizes peace in his gospel. Because people receive peace when they receive salvation. They are reconciled to God. We receive peace as we extend our love and peace to one another and are reconciled to one another. And in this song, we also are reminded of Jesus' promise to his followers. That he says, I leave, but I'm going to leave my peace with you. I have to go. But every day, through the power of the Holy Spirit, my peace will surround you. You know what else Luke emphasizes? 
he mentions a whole multitude of disciples who praise God joyfully with loud voices for all of the deeds of power that they had seen Jesus do. They bless him as the king who did exactly what he had promised when he unrolled the scroll in the temple. When he read to them from Isaiah, he has done exactly everything that he promised to do. He fulfilled God's mission of bringing good news to the poor, of releasing the captives, of giving recovery of sight to the blind, bringing freedom to the oppressed, and proclaiming the favor of God. The people rejoice because they have seen him do these things. They have experienced it perhaps even in their own lives, God acting on their behalf. So as we come to the table of our king today, I want you to embrace and think about this truth. Because the time of Lent is winding down. And we have been talking and been in prayer and reflection for the brokenness and grief in our lives and our world. Our hearts have lamented the way that sin has had such a devastating force and continues to be. And in this week, we're going to, again, relive those experiences as Jesus is put to death. We are a people who are longing for resurrection. But in the middle of this sorrow... Church tradition has us pivot to joy on Palm Sunday. As Jesus is led into Jerusalem, we are led into a time of worship for his powerful acts of mercy for those that he loves. So this morning, I encourage you to think about those acts that you have seen recently in your life. As you come forward to receive the elements, I want you to think about what you have seen him do what you have experienced firsthand. Where have you seen Jesus bringing hope or healing or salvation or reconciliation? Where have you seen him illuminate your heart? Today, we want to focus on the eternal, sovereign, merciful Savior, the King that comes in the name of the Lord. So let us joyfully come to his table today on this Palm Sunday, giving praise for who he is and what he's done. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.